Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is in fact a member of the DLF family of podcasts. And does anyone know why I say in fact a member? I don't, it's not like anyone told me I had to say it that way. I just have always said it that way. And we're, we're off the rails really quick. So we're back. It feels like it's been a long time, doesn't it? Like, I didn't do a podcast uh, during draft week, and it feels like I've been gone forever. So if you're still listening, thank you. (laughs) I don't know really how that happened. But um, it's post-draft, and it's time I talked about post-draft rankings in something other than an article or a YouTube video or a Patreon tweet. Tweet? Comment? Article? Whatever. Um, Or a Discord, Discord comment. Now, my ranks sheet is available on patreon obviously uh, you know always always be plugging i guess most most of it's free but uh the ranks one i don't i think it's only in a patreon so what i'm gonna do is add it to the what do they call it notes description of this podcast because i guess if you listen to this podcast you're long suffering enough that you get to see an opinion from me or you could just ask, I guess. But I don't know. It seems like a thing that I'm going to do. So there it is. Um, so what I want to do with this podcast is just tell you my draft board, essentially. At least we're going to get through two rounds, I think. 20, 24 players sounds like a long, long list of names to read silently by myself into a microphone. But um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be comments and stuff. Um, and I want to tell you what that draft board is. It's rookie season, it's rookie draft season, I'm in the middle of a couple, or I've at least started a couple already, which which have been very tilting um, so far, and I figured uh, that might be the most the most relevant information for you all. Uh, I don't know, let me know. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, or in a, in a, in a review, I guess, um, to let me know what more you want to hear about. I want to bring someone else, um, like... I don't know, leaving a little gap between the Cuda Duel episode and the next episode just feels right. You should just leave Cuda sitting there for a while, you know? Hope you enjoyed that one, because I really had a lot of fun. But I need to bring someone in uh, to uh, argue with me, or at least discuss rankings in some sort of fashion. Because, again, just reading 24 names doesn't sound doesn't sound like it. But I want to at least let you know where I'm at. Uh, just just in case you care about that kind of thing. Um, did post-draft rankings, obviously, and this is... Or pre-draft rankings, <laughs> obviously this is post-draft rankings. So this is where I'm at in my rookie draft, so what's going on in my head. The rookie draft board has had several different iterations. Essentially, they're just my post-draft ranks at this point. But 
And since this isn't necessarily the order I'm going to draft him in, just so you know, I'm really just trying to hash out who I would take next. Which means if the next person is an undrafted free agent that no one else wants to draft, like, I trade back, I guess? Or I know I can take a shot at one of those players I don't like as much, but might well have value at some point that I want to trade, because I'm desperately trying to start learning to draft the players I don't like so I can at least trade them and feel a little bit better about trading them when their value goes up because I personally don't have, I'm not particularly high on their overall career outlook. So yeah, there's that too. So that's what this list is. Um, My personal preferences, which then ADP gets layered on top of and check out the link to see the draft board and pre-draft and post-draft rankings from the last three years with with notes, although I will say I checked, and my post-draft notes kind of suck so far. Like I gotta sit down and and thicken these out. Like my note for Kyle Pitts is just generational, I, I guess. And um, and Pat Faramuth is pro- probably gonna help out Pittsburgh. <laughs> like I really need to flesh these out. So uh, I'll do that, I guess, as I uh, talk into this microphone with you all quietly on your run or car ride or. Where do you listen to this? Like, I'd, I'd be actually be interested to know. But, I sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to get off to something that was actually interesting. Um, but, yeah, let me know. Um, all right, so, uh, first round, pick 101. Who is my favorite player in this? It's it, it's it's Jamar Chase. Like, I, I don't really see a lot of reasons to keep that secret or try to build up suspense for that. Like, I just want Jamar Chase in this draft. All right? Now, um, I've seen a lot of interesting comics about this draft, and I've been trying to... I think I might have learned it from Jacob Brickroad. I guess that's where the initial impulse comes from, of trying to think what draft class this reminds me of. Um, And he's better at it. And he he put out a comment recently, which was, this was 2018. And I didn't like that at all, because I like the class of 2018. And the class of 2021, viscerally upsets me in so many different ways um but i kind of like the reasoning but here's the thing in the class of 2018 there is no jamar chase there are some there's a saquon barkley and there's a cut a lot of running back misses and i think that's what he's going for with that comment i think it was on twitter and and then you've got two uh, several shorter less bmi friendly guys at wide receiver like 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 a, a dj moore and a calvin ridley and so i kind of i kind of getting used to the idea i i've still kind of my head's kind of in 2015 2016 but i don't mind the idea but the saquon barkley of this class is jamar chase and i know that means he doesn't have the same positional fam value and he isn't you know, ever, generational, like Kyle Pitts, but he really is a different kind of animal in this class. Like, there's... N- I wish he played that third year, but I don't even need it. Like, e- even if you like BMI, there are two wide receivers in this entire class that have anywhere near interest from, you know, a dynasty perspective that have a BMI within the range that BMI Twitter says we should like, and that's Jamar Chase and Taylor Wallace, who we'll get to later, maybe. But it's, it's just Jamar Chase. Production, draft capital, freaking combines or pro day stats, I guess. This year. Like, there's, there's, it's just Jamar Chase. Just, I really like Jamar Chase. Moving on. Um, two, it's Najee Harris. He's 
to my eye, the best running back in this class. I think his landing spot is very decent, obviously. Uh, rest in peace, James Conner. Um, and I'm not worried that he did most of his best work at an older age because I don't, just don't think that's the way the running back position works as much. And even if we age adjusted, he was above average for his age. Um, in the two years that he finally had the role and went off, like, uh, yeah, and draft capital and everything else. And they're in a clear tier one for me. But even in that tier, and I can't tell you how wrong this is from a dynasty theory. And that's what I'm wrestling with a lot this year. Like, you, I sh- the running back is the default. Just for your drafts, you should know. I said that. That's the thing I said and agree with. You, you should just prefer- preferentially treat the running backs because you need them. But I want Jamar Chase, and I'm not sorry. But yeah, they're tier one. Um, 103. Uh, second tier, Travis Etienne. Ah, said it right. It feels good, man. Um, and Kyle Pitts is 104, and they're in a separate tier together. Uh, Etienne is just... I don't think I need a lot of comment here, right? Like, he's the second best running back in this class. For some people, he's the first best running back in this class. Positional value, he's performed well at a slightly younger age as well I don't like his overall stats quite as well as Harris but even on a hit rate comparison across my database which is fully updated now as far as I can tell and for landing spots even undrafted free agents um yeah it's ETN uh Kyle Pitts is here at four because there are people who think that's too low um I don't want it I've got him there I recognize it and I I really like upsetting John Bosch on Twitter over Kyle Pitts because I'm not about it. I think this is too high to have a tight end, but he's being drafted distinctly differently than even the best tight end prospects we've ever seen before. And his prospect profile, if there was such a perfect thing, a thing as a perfect tight end profile, Kyle Pitts would have it. He's like 100th percentile, which is not meant to be possible in my pre in my post-draft model. Like, I get it. He's productive. He's young. He's athletic. He's He's got drafted highly. There's nothing not to like here. It's just... They're top 12 tight ends, and we're seeking the top 5 tight ends multiple times, and the thing about those guys is they weren't perfect. In fact, they're distinctly not perfect, and I don't know how to feel about that. But, yeah, sure, Pitt's value is going to maintain, at least, even if he does nothing his first year. And as John Bosch likes to point out, the first time the man doesn't fall over on the field, his value is probably going to increase somehow. Currently, he's a dynasty-wide tight end four, which is typically where we put the rookie tight end one, which is not a thing I've trolled John Bosch with yet, but I intend to. Obviously, it's just where we put the tight end one in the rookie class because the older guys or the guys are already in the league that have shown top 12 seasons, we know they're not Jimmy Graham and Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey yet. So, like, we're looking for the upside, and it's usually an interesting name I'll come to later. It, it's usually the weird one. Um, but, yeah, I'll get to that later. But, yeah, carpet, no questions. I love the prospect. I, this is a perfect profile. I just feel weird because perfect isn't actually it you know but he, yeah at 104 you can't you can't tell me i don't have him there because i do um fifth in the class and yet another tier we've got two player tiers so far it's javante williams i like his production more than etne but you know the numbers disagree with me on that like technically etne is slightly better and he was drafted slightly better and you know maybe it's just because etn 
which again, I said his name twice the correct way and twice the wrong way, so I feel like I'm balancing out here. Um, he killed James Robinson, man. I mean, you just, I don't like killers, you know? And, no, it's, and it's no way, it's, it's no way ETN's fault. And I can't say it's a bad landing spot because what do I care? I mean, James Robinson can do it, and ETN's got draft capital and a profile that says he should be able to do it as well. But I like Javante Williams a lot, and so like I find myself leaning on my film grinder friends who actually think Javante Williams is significantly better than most running backs in this class, and I can't you know throw my shoulder behind that. That's not my take. Like his his profile looks as good as ETN's to me, and he's slightly drafted, so fine. But, like, and there's a lot of bias here going, because Javante Williams, I prefer, I think, because he didn't kill James Robinson. But there you go. Um, I like him as the first, third best running back in this class. I like him as well as the first two, but probability-wise, he has a slightly lower ceiling, probabilistically, and he's slightly less likely to hit. But I think he's just as likely to hit, to be honest with you. I'm separating, man, really, because I'm just going to trust the numbers on this one. Uh, but I, I like Javante Williams a lot. In that same tier with Javante Williams, similar kind of but reversed argument, I have Rashad Bateman at 106. Please get triggered because Lord knows I need to have more arguments on Twitter about the things I think. Um, I just Rashad Bateman works out to as likely to hit as Jamar Chase based on the statistics that I look at and the way I look at him. I freaking love the guy. I love that he's coming from Minnesota. I love the fact that he's the first player from his conference to get significant draft capital, as in more than a fifth-round pick. Um, and the fact he went and got himself first-round draft capital, like, yay, the NFL. I find, uh, correctly adjusting to where the talent is. But seriously, what happened to Tyler Johnson? You Weird, weird, weird organization, you. But yeah, um, Rashad Bateman's just got it going on. I'm not going to quote numbers at you. That's not how I roll. You know that, but like he's got all the numbers. In fact, the one thing you could say that's bad on Rashad Bateman's profile is that they're like a Kyle Pitts problem. He has no problems, and that's freaking weird. And um, now his problem that people are worried about, rightly so, is Baltimore low passing offense. Even if they increase by a hundred passing attempts, which is unlikely based on my most recent regression models that we're doing live on stream to try and create prediction model together. And um, like 50 pass attempts to come back to something like not historic low volume would be reasonable. And that still puts them bottom of the league and where most top 24, like very few top 24 wide receivers come from there. And you've got Marcus Brown, who's already shown a predilection to having higher target shares through small sections and clearly is an NFL level player. And yes, this is me defending the fact that I like and continue to like Marcus Brown on the Ravens. Um, but and all that's reasonable. Like, he, like he, sh he shouldn't happen. But I personally believe if you have good players, that changes a team's dynamic. And I don't care that they have other good players who've worked preferentially towards a low passing volume. Like, I don't care. And I can, and I'm going to throw out arguments about how much the Ravens have done to try and increase their receiving game. And the fact that they definitely want to be better in the receiving game. And the fact that Lamar Jackson is actually a pretty decent quarterback, even as a passing quarterback. But yeah, default is very much fairly considered that Baltimore is a quote-unquote bad landing spot in terms of volume. But it's also a quote-unquote good landing spot because it's a good coaching staff that adjusts to its players and the 
the coaching staff and the team seems to be going out of its way to add weapons in the receiving game even in this offseason and none of that really matters because I just personally believe that Rashad Bateman is a good player like a great player and I think he has a ceiling I don't care how tall he is don't talk to me I don't care what his BMI don't talk to me I think great players produce greatly and Rashad Bateman did that and he got the draft capital to back it up so I think he alone is enough reason for me to think that Baltimore might pass significantly more but again it's unreasonable to expect that I never promise to be a reasonable man that's the best I've got for you okay I love Rashad Bateman 106 with a bullet I don't care at me I need drops like I've been listening, obviously I listen to a lot of podcasts, but like J.J. Zacharyson's got like the typewriter sound, and like uh, obviously I have my very professional, you know, running back and wide receiver drops, which are entirely real drops, Um, but I need like a a explosion drop between points because this waffling on between points to try and transition just, it's not it, you know what I mean? Sorry, sorry, yeah, I know, you're running, I'll, I'll stop talking. Um, next tier, and for the first time, a tier without just two players in it, I have these three wide receivers that I like, all of them, I can definitely see all of them being successful. Um, now, default, uh, statistically, probabilistically, even if you want to go to size, which you shouldn't, um, and not really, because he's getting slack for his size for... BMI Twitter at least instead of height Twitter which is even more wrong don't get me started on the different Twitters now um Devontae Smith should be should lead this group in fact he probably should and will be drafted above Rashad Bateman which again this is my preferential order not necessarily the order I think I have to draft them in but don't don't test me don't think you can get Rashad Bateman like like you can force me into taking Smith and you can get Bateman like don't test me here don't test my Rashad Bateman love. Don't. Warning you. <laughs> um, like, Smith is definitely going to be drafted higher. And honestly, so is Jalen Waddle. And I'm not mad at it. Because the, be- the worst thing I can say about Jalen Waddle is I don't know. His physical metrics are good. Lots of people watch the tape and say he has a dynamic skill set. There's kind of a division between limited and dynamic athlete with potential and I don't know how that's going to break down because he didn't play enough in college for me to really get a good sense of it and but once all that's said and done he's got first round draft capital an interesting athletic profile and enough positive tape reviews that he definitely has upside in this class but again going back to is this class 2015 16 2018 that all frames him as a less like like those aren't normally the prospects that work out. There, there are a lot of hits that fit that criteria that didn't play enough in college, but were interesting and had positive... Like, even with first-round draft capital, it's a little hinky for me. Personally, as not a genius who knows and is able to see the future from all 22 tape. And so, obviously, he's a little further down for me, but I get it. If, like, you're like, I would draft Rashad Bateman over all these guys, I'm not mad at it. There's just not enough reason for me to hate or not hate him. And so he goes, I guess, technically on the hate list. He defaults to it. But, like, if you like him, like, yes. And Smith, too, which is where I started at this point, should be above him. He's going to be drafted. Both of them are going to be drafted above uh, Rashad Bateman. And that's great for me. But don't test me. I will draft Bateman over them. Like, I, I will do that. 
That is a thing with which I will do. I don't know if that sentence makes sense. Um, anyway, so where was I? This uh, third tier. The first guy I have in my tier at 107 is actually Elijah Moore because this is my damn draft board. I've said it before, and I not so secretly love Elijah Moore. Like, again, he was ultimately productive on a congested situation in his first year at 18 with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown on the field. He got 9% of the receiving yards, which is more than Terrence Marshall was able to do with two apparently legendary players in LSU. So, like, what's up with that? Um, And he's on Team Tiny, but for his height. And, like, even BMI Twitter, of the many different Twitters, will admit that height doesn't matter. So who cares? And and the other problem is he's a slot, but if you can get anyone on the Jets to be fantasy relevant, I will be impressed. And I think Elijah Moore was really good in college. And again, I just bet on the player. I think I hate liking a Jet. I've got too much trauma at this point, and that's why I kind of hate this tier, because I've got Elijah Moore, then Devontae Smith, then Rondo Moore, and I like all three players, and I don't know what order to have them in. Like, the, like Devontae Smith probably has a slightly higher chance of getting to a ceiling, but BMI Twitter hates him. And Elijah Moore, like, is definitely the better producer in terms of age-adjusted production from college, from a better conference the NFL loves to draft and did again for Elijah Moore, but he's on the Jets. And then Rondo Moore has the best season of anyone in this class at any age in college, didn't play again, didn't play enough games in any other year for me to really see what he would have done since then, is an athletic freak, went to the Cardinals where DeAndre Hopkins is already playing, and I really think Christian Kirk can maintain that target share, and Larry Fitzgerald, I hear he's pretty good even this old, so I think I love Rondon Moore still, but I have no idea really, like, I don't know how to choose between them. I really don't. Um, I just know I like them all more than every other player that's left on the board. So the, that's a tier. <laughs> tier 107 to 109 is Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, and Rondo Moore. And if you ask me on any different day, I I will have them in a different order. But for right now, locking it in forever, and it will never change because I know the future. And that's a thing people should say. Um, Elijah Moore forever obviously then Devontae Smith then Ronda Moore or whatever you like to be honest I just all three look like pretty good bets outside of the typical physical shape of a wide receiver so you throw slap a low ceiling label on them if you want but I, th- I think you'd be wrong too but there you go um and yeah Second, next tier, one, two, three, fourth tier. Wow, already up to four tiers in the first round here. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm on to liking quarterbacks. I almost never rank quarterbacks in the first round. I have gotten more commonly put in the best or my favorite quarterback in the first round. Just because, like with tight end, there's very likely a value dip. They're probably drafted around the same spot in year two, no matter what they do in year one. And so that's nice with, from a dynasty perspective. But it is kind of locking in a floor. But from what I'm told, Trevor Lawrence is a different kind of cat from people that I respect in terms of his potential upside. So sure, I take Trevor Lawrence here, and then I take Jalen Waddles. I'm wondering if anyone caught that, that little S I threw on there, because that's probably how I'm going to name him from now on, Jalen Waddles. I, I don't think anyone else is going to notice. This is going to be a secret between me and you guys. 
listen up for it wherever I turn up on a podcast because I don't think anyone else is going to notice. Just saying. I think it could be some fun we can have together. Anyway, so um, Jalen Waddles easily has more upside if you look at it from a certain skewed-eyed, while players that do that normally don't break it or have never broken out in the NFL before, but athletic measurements and draft capital can go a long way, and I, pff, I guess. And so Jalen Waddles here is uh, probably a little underranked, definitely in terms of ADP, but that's about where I'd make the pick. I would probably, again, lean on the slightly different kind of quarterback being drafted this year and it's very quarterback heavy year so let's pay attention to that i probably take trevor lawrence personally like that's how i prefer them trevor lawrence and jalen waddles but um yeah they're in the tier together and then i just throw justin fields at the end of the round because i'm not going to be the one to choose which top 24 running back of the three or four that could be a top 24 running like let someone else pick and i'll take the next one so i'm just going to take the next my second favorite quarterback in this class which is Justin Fields um and he's in a little tier by himself there at the end just hanging out having a good time thinking about how many people are going to overdraft quarterbacks because they think they think I don't know Kyle Shanahan makes a quarterback better apparently he doesn't Anyway, um, so that's round one and the different tiers and some random talking about them. But let's go through round two quickly enough. Um, I have Trey Sherman and Michael Carter, everyone's favorite running backs at the end of the first round or the start of the second round. Just no one's no one's going to tell you any different. I personally, I've got Trey Sherman above Michael Carter in this tier here. Uh, I, I prefer Michael Carter's production, even in that committee. But Trey Sermon's got the size on him. Um, and at running back, I'm a little more prone to believe in that. But honestly, I'm just hoping I don't have to choose them. I'm really hoping I can go get Jamar Chase. I may have mentioned that at some point. Um, just at every spot in this draft, my real intention is to go get Jamar Chase. So far, failed in every rookie draft, by the way. But um, that's what I'm trying. Uh, and default into Rashad Bateman if I have to. Um, all right, so after Trey Sermon and Michael Carter, I've got Dimey Brown in a little wide receiver tier of his own at 203. I didn't like Dimey Brown, and I still don't. I like Dimey Brown, that's the wrong way of saying it. It's just it felt like everyone was telling me to like him, and I don't like that. I don't like it when I, I like a player and everyone's already told me to like It's like, could, could I not have got there myself? Like, did you have to? Did you have to? But re-looking at it and trying to forget the fact that people want me to do something and yeah uh, he's a shit no not really but I like the fact he's going to Washington he could help out um, Terry McClellan at least and because good players help good players he was pretty productive in college never had a 30% threshold but the last year Dominator was around 28% I believe um, and he was a very productive wide receiver through two years. He's got an Elijah Moore profile with slightly lower, li- slightly lower production um, from a decent conference. I think he's a little bit more of a speedster, and speed's a good thing in the NFL. And Washington could use more playmakers, so he does look a little different from the other wide receivers I like in this class from this point on. Uh, so fair's fair, despite the fact everyone else seems to like him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take him 203 and feel pretty happy about that. After that, I'm just like, I'm going to take quarterbacks until everyone else forces me into a decision. So I just list Trey Lance and Zach Wilson at 204 and 205 in a tier by themselves because I'm taking the floor. 
But honestly, I'm not probably not drafting quarterbacks here, but I feel like this is the safest way to go for a rookie board I'm going to look back on. Because uh, next year, the, again, value, they're probably going to be drafted around about the same spot no matter what. And so, yeah, and obviously these are, you know, not super flex premium or whatever special things you want to throw on there. This is just players in a regular 1QB league. Otherwise, all the quarterbacks fall to the top. And it's very boring. So you just take all the quarterbacks and then you do everyone else, basically. Oh, that's me. Um, Kind of. Uh, Where was I? All right. So, yeah, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. But honestly, I'm probably not taking them. I'm I'm trying to trade down. I'm trying to trade out. But again, like I said, with every pick, the goal is to trade up for Jamar Chase. So that's kind of just a cop-out. The problem is the players I like after this all have a lot of questions, but they are where the ceiling is at in Dynasty, and this is just kind of a playing itself rookie board move here, so I feel kind of kind of nasty about it. But there it is. I don't, I don't have particularly strong feelings about Lance or Wilson, um, although I really am enjoying Zach Wilson on Twitter, or rather what people are doing with Zach Wilson on Twitter. Um, the memes are hilarious. He really does look out of place in the NFL, and like he belongs in a Sunny D commercial. He does. I'm sorry, he does. All the best. Um, so, players with more upside in one QB dynasty, at least, that we should probably be targeting instead of those quarterbacks, but feel a little less secure for one reason or another, come next. Uh, 206, Chaterius Atwell, or Tutu Atwell, as you know him. Personally, I know his real name, because I'm not a monster. No, no, I, I just love... Tutu Atwell, um, he 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 is built like a fourteen-year-old. I get it, but the Rams don't seem to care, and so even Draft Capital Twitter tells me I have to care about him, which is a little conflicting. So I was like, I was telling you, you have to care about him, and so yeah, here we are. I'm taking Tutu above Terrence Marshall because I really would love to see that happen, and so I like him. I like his production a lot more. Um, again, ceiling. Terrence Marshall is the other player in this tier at 207. It's fine. You can, I would say, yes, it's more than fine to have Terrence Marshall mid to early first round, early second round in this class since he did fall in the NFL draft a little bit. They let him fade apparently because of injury concerns because the NFL's obviously a cowardly organization. That was just a little shade there for my business daddy, but still. Um, yeah, Terrence Marshall probably has the upside. I just... Alright, I feel like I haven't said this strongly enough. All the cases made for Terrence Marshall make logical sense. I've had this argument a billion times on YouTube in an article. Once J.J. Zacharyson quite literally just... Well, not literally. I guess it, it would be metaphorically on Twitter. Just lent me over and gave me just a good spanking in front of all of Twitter. Like the, And the man's very good at this. And I am just a fake little nerd. And boy, does he know his numbers. I just personally... And I want to say this very certainly, like, I draft him because other people think that it's there. I personally would not draft him with your draft pick. Just me. But I think it's very fair to say that that is unkind of me and there's positive signal and draft capital. And he played for LSU and I'm sure he's a wonderful man. I have no idea. Um, so yeah, he's ranked here, and he should probably definitely be ranked above those quarterbacks, probably above Dimey, um, and in with those first uh, running backs at the start of round two, like that's where Terrence Marshall should go. I personally am not going to do it. I don't care. At me, I like what I like. 
Um, and so since he's already falling unfairly, very unfairly of me to not like the fact that he didn't do anything that normal players do before they break out in the NFL. It's very un- uncalled for. Um, and I, w- I hope he I hope he thoroughly owns me. Um, and uh, I, I will take 2-2 if I'm the only one in the draft. And um, honestly, I've been on the clock several times and Terrence Marshall has been the pick or Trey Sermon. And I have drafted out of that, having to make that choice several different times. And I, so far, I'm not sorry about that. So take that for what it's worth. I don't think he's going to happen. It's just that simple. I mean, I understand all the arguments. He should have more value. He doesn't to me. It's it's my draft pick. There you go. Uh, 208, I've got Javon Hawkins. I think he's the same bet as Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. Now, obviously, he's smaller than both. Less likely he developed more of a three-down skill set. He's like 185 pounds. But he's also very fast at the 185 pounds relative to his size. It's not exceptionally fast when you want to start doing height-adjusted or weight-adjusted stats. But I think that speed counts for a player that's obviously, hopefully, going to develop more of a receiving role in the NFL than a three-down role. And I don't really care where that top 24... Like, every running back in this um, second round, I like because I think they have top 24 upside, which isn't the real upside I'm chasing at running back, which is why I have no other running backs in my first round. I don't see it. Hopefully they've got it, and I'll take that potential upside, but I think these are top 24 running backs. So Hawkins, to me, looks like the same bet as Trey Sermon and Michael Carter, but Hawkins was undrafted to the Falcons. Sermon was drafted fairly decently. Uh, to another landing, interesting landing spot, and so was uh, so was Michael Carter. And I just realized, like, I should probably say what they are. So, yeah, uh, Trey Thurman went to San Francisco, and Michael Carter went to the New York Jets. Both have fairly open depth charts. Both have really interesting profiles with positives on them. Hawkins has some positives on his production profile. Mostly it's that he has more of a third-down back skill set displayed in college than most of these smaller running backs, weirdly. And Trey Thurman actually isn't a smaller running back. It's like... 210 to 15 pounds so that's again why he normally and does for me top top the, the list of potential top 24 guys and maybe have a little more upside but all of them kind of do now i'm babbling but i think uh javon hawkins could potentially on the falcons get a top 24 upside bet because because of, of his landing spot and some interesting positives in his production and so to me that's kind of the same bet it's just that he's undrafted and, you know, you don't get extra T levels from having a receiving back in the top 24. And so we really prefer Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. Uh, but I'm conflicted on it. But I've, I've clearly pushed him down below all these wide receivers and t- uh, quarterbacks. So, you know, there it is. Um, next, I have a, a solid tier of four players at the end of my second round. Ramondre Stevenson actually tops that list because... Again, at least he's big. Kind of like that. Elijah Mitchell is also pretty big as well. Both of them have poorer production profiles. Ramondre Stevenson, I've actually talked about quite a bit. He's really interesting. He went to the Patriots. He's like, like the minute it happened, like that is a new Garrett Blout. I'm, I'm sorry, it is. Um, and now you don't have Tom Brady or that exact offense anymore. And LeGarrett Blatt was what he was in Dynasty. But there was points and potential and even a top 12 season at one point. And Ramondo Stevenson is a, a literal giant, especially in relation to this class. And while he didn't get the full role to his last year in 2020, and that last year was shortened because of a global pandemic, he doesn't have more than 700 receiving <laughs> rushing yards, sorry, and, and he's not much of a receiver. 
But again, going to the Patriots at that size and the way he made those yards in that last year, his yards for team attempts, for example, was good. And so I'm actually kind of placing my money there. That this is a, like it's like a Terrence Marshall bet, but I'm taking positional value. You know what I mean? Probably not. But yeah, I like Rondo Stevenson kind of a lot. He's really interesting in this class. Um, and Elijah Mitchell as well. Kind of a similar story, uh, but he actually played a little bit more. Again, look at my notes on my video and all these guys on YouTube, um, and they all constitute the same tier. I'm taking positional value because I do think they have top 24 upside in their landing spots. Mitchell actually landed up. Landed up? He actually ended up in San Francisco uh, as well, uh, along with Trey Sermon. So that's a thing and a problem, but we've also seen multiple running backs have different spurts of being relevant in the NFL and it's a nice kind of arbitrage play on the popular Trey Sermon pick at the end of the first round um, or start of the second as it is in in my rookie board here at least um, but yeah I think Mitchell's actually kind of an interesting pick it's like 200 pounds and six foot tall so he's not on team small running back he's not on team big running back um, but he's decently sized and interesting offense that has spread the ball around at that position kind of a lot. I was quickly looking for my notes on him. I couldn't remember what his receiving work was exactly like, and I do hate saying things and then having to correct them later. So where, where, where are they? Uh, one year with 20 receptions, 1.5 receptions a game throughout his career. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was catching the ball, not, not as much as we typically like to say potential three-damn running back, but honestly, in this class, especially for a guy over six foot, that's pretty decent receiving work. Um, and so there he sits in this, uh, what is it, tier one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, wow, a lot of tiers this year, nine, ten, Javen Hawkins all by himself in tier 11, tier 12, end of the first round, I've got him at 210 overall in a 12-team rookie draft. And next, I'm taking Pat Faramuth. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying that name right, but he's a tight end, which is actually sized like a tight end, unlike Kyle Pitts. And going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has been using the tight end position more than most teams in the NFL for forever. And so everyone's always talked about, you know, this guy, this time, this tight end's going to be a top. And it doesn't really happen because despite the fact Pittsburgh has an inclination to use the position more, it doesn't coalesce into one player's production enough to make them fantasy significant for more than a small stretch of the season because that really requires a great or good player that can suck up enough of that role, even on a high-usage offense, a team that uses a positional yard. And that was true last year. Well, the wide receivers were going off across the board as well, and they just spread the, spread the work across the tight end a little more than most, uh, most teams. But Pat Fermuth talked about him pre-draft as well he's got a decent production profile he is sized like a two tight end over 250 pounds over six foot four and decent draft capital going to the Steelers do like using that position I'm surprised he isn't getting a little bit more buzz because it used to be the, the Pittsburgh tight end was who everyone you know thought was going to be the next Zach Ertz basically and um, and where it's not, like, he's actually a pretty decent value in rookie drafts. But beware, and this is true with Kyle Pitts too, I'm sorry. If you draft a tight end in a rookie draft, you're essentially saying, I am going to hold this player on my roster for three years and then reassess. Like, dra draft him and leave him there. Like, that's what you're planning to do. That's that's the bet of drafting a rookie tight end. It's the only way you're going to be sane 
trying it if you do it. So just even if you know, even if even if Kyle Pitts is Evan Ingram year one and then better than Evan Ingram after that, obviously that's going to happen. I like him. <laughs> um, it's better just to have that knowledge and that mindset while drafting a rookie tight end. Okay, it just is. Um, all right, uh, rounding out the second round at two twelve, I've got Kenny Gamewell. Like I really started not to like him after Jake said he didn't like him because. Running back is a lot more about skill set, or at least what people think of the running back when they watch him. At least what coaches think, and the NFL didn't really reach on him. And NFL was also stuck in behind uh, Emmanuel, oh, Miles Sanders, sorry, um, who's definitely displayed much more of a top 15, top 24 upside than a top 12, but he's a decent running back and I don't think he's moving out of the way. Still could be an interesting landing spot with the one year of production we saw from Gamewell, which was really interesting. But again, the guy who I trust the most, don't tell him I said that, uh, while watching, um, didn't like what he saw. I also happen to know he's a hater, so maybe ignore that. Um, uh, more opinions necessary, but that's honestly why I fade him below Mitchell and Stevenson and Hawkins. Don't, don't, don't tell Jake I care about his opinion. Okay, I can't. There's some things I can't live down. All right, that's. I think that's about it. Um, here's the thing. I want to get in front. There are two. The next two players I have at the very tippy top of my third round, and they're there because I want to overdraft them because this is a list of players and how much I like them. As prospects that I want on my dynasty team, and I, I really want to draft Talon Wallace early, but I shouldn't because he's now like the fourth string at best wide receiver in Baltimore, which we've already said is a bad sign for Rashad Bateman, who's also ahead of Talon Wallace. But on any other draft spot, on any other draft year, on any other landing spot. Like, Taylor Wallace is a second-round pick with great production everyone hates because four years and because bad conference. He looks like that guy, but he went to the Ravens behind Rashad Bateman, not to mention Marcus Brown and Mark Andrews, so he can't be that guy. Why do the smart teams take all the good players? Could some bad teams please, like, steal some scouts? Please. But I, I really want to draft Taylor Wallace earlier than I really should, and I'm you shouldn't do that because he's destined to be the new Tyler Johnson, basically. But I hate it. And the next player is Kenny Yeboa. And this goes back to what I was saying about Kyle Pitts. Like, if there's a weird tight end who has great production in one year and also has taken a weird, kind of unusual route into the NFL, but has good production, but was also undrafted, so I secretly love him more than everyone else at this position this year because he was undrafted, and that's the thing I like. It's Kenny Yeboa. Like, I want to draft him in the second round. There's just in no way, shape, or form should I draft a tight end that is undrafted that early. But, like, I, so I'm just going to throw it here at the end. Like, I really want to draft Kenny Yaboa earlier, but you don't have to based on ADP. You shouldn't based on history and the likelihood that a player is going to get early value at the tight end position at all, let alone an undrafted tight end. They can't all be George Kittle. And Kenny Yeboah, if I'm not mistaken, tested nowhere near as George Kittle, so you don't even have that narrative to rely on. So, yeah, that all sucks, but, like, 
the more I look, especially in this draft class, like a 30 BMI, 250 pounds, six foot four, if I convert that quickly in my head, and no 40 time, 15 bench repetitions, I guess, 34 inch vertical. You don't understand what these numbers mean. I don't understand what these numbers mean. But he didn't light up his damn pro day. He didn't even run a 40 time as far as I can tell so far. But yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I want to like Kenley Yeboah more than we should probably be reasonably like him. And the same with same with Talon Wallace. All right. Yeah. Um, check out the link for rounds three and four. Um, I'm about to... I'm going to lock them in pretty soon, as in these are my post-draft ranks for rookie drafts and stuff. I just want to stare at it for another day or two um, and shift some players around in round two, three, and four. I'm pretty set in my first round. Like, this is pretty much what it is. But um, anyway, let me know what you think, Where what I'm getting drastically wrong. Please come and tell me, because you, you're right. I should definitely have Josh Palmer higher. I actually kind of like Josh Palmer just because Tan Ho is really fun. If you want fun conversation, go talk to Ta- at Tan Ho on Twitter. He also live streams about uh, doing data things in R, I think. But either way, because uh, he's Canadian and so's <laughs> Josh Palmer, and he's just he's very funny about it. Um, but anyway, uh, Amari Rogers is someone I've already triggered someone over not having in my first four rounds, so I finally put him in round four. But I'm assuming that's just going to trigger him even harder. I'm not particularly interested. Let me know who else I'm missing. So that you can, you know, fight me over it, I guess. Um, And that'll be fun. And uh, thanks for checking out the podcast. Hope you stuck through it for 40 minutes. I hope you you made it all the way to your uh, desired runtime. Or you finally made it to work. Like, I'd really be interested in knowing. But anyway. um, Yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks very much. And check you out next time. Thanks. Bye. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.